It was Dietrich Bonhoeffer who said, Silence in the face of evil is evil in itself. Today's guest says, Our silence has had tragic consequences. We hope it is not too late, but a time is coming when it will be too late. You don't want to miss this. The Bible doesn't promise protection or you know success. It promises persecution for Christians. But on the other side of that, and that's more of the angle I take throughout the book, that what we're seeing in America right now, the moral decay, the depravity, that's a result of decades upon decades of Christians being silent. This is Understanding the Times Radio with Jan Markell. Jan's guest today, author and talk show host David Pirazzo. In the past few years, David has been on this program several times. You'll recall his appearance here after his first book, Eradicate, Blotting Out God in America. David's most recent publication deals with the church's silence on issues facing our nation. David's here this hour to discuss with Jan the cost of our silence, the consequences of Christians taking the path of least resistance. Jan will wrap up this session a bit later with a timely commentary. Now let's join Jan Markell for today's program. Hi, I'm David Fiorazzo. In my new book, The Cost of Our Silence, I explore solutions to some of the major problems we face today, including our own apathy and fear of talking openly about our faith in Jesus Christ. I examine the consequences of Christians taking the path of least resistance, including the increasing attacks on our freedoms, the infiltration of liberalism in the church, the heartbreaking anguish abortion causes women, government overreach, judicial tyranny, and the attempted redefinition of God-ordained marriage. We'll discuss early American history, the creation versus evolution debate, the dangers of common core, witchcraft, and anti-Christian entertainment. Now, I hope to inform and encourage believers to understand the reality of spiritual warfare. And I end the book with astounding and faith-building Bible prophecy. That's what's in it for you. Check out The Cost of Our Silence at davidfiorazzo.com. And that was the voice of David Fiorazzo, who will be my guest for the next uh, couple of segments. And we are carrying his newest book, which is The Cost of Our Silence, The Consequences of Christians Taking the Path of Least Resistance. And biblical truth has been downplayed and neglected while American history has been rewritten. Hollywood, the media, activists, and a secular government are gaining power and influence over Christians. And most of us carry on with our lives as if all is well. Well, America has become an epicenter for the culture war, and we've reached a tipping point in which political correctness refuses to coexist with religious freedom. Author David Fiorazzo has been called a rare and refreshing voice for truth in an age of apostasy and deceit, and is sounding the alarm that time is short, David suggests. One of the biggest problems is Christians not knowing and not standing on God's word. As a result, we have fallen for the lies and misinformation put out by those who are hostile towards Christianity, leading to the cultural confusion we see today. Well, we cannot reverse the moral decline, but we can choose to pray, preach the gospel, and speak the truth in love, regardless of the opposition. Eric Barger is in studio with me today as my co-host. Gentlemen, welcome both of you. And David Fiorazzo, it's been a while since you've been on. Thank you for coming back. Yeah, I guess I have to write more books. Anytime a voice comes along and says what he's saying, Jan, I'm going to be right there on their team because really the the lack of understanding and the lack of following the scripture inside the church is one of the themes that I talk about all the time and we talk about it here all the time too on radio. So it's it always strikes a bell with me. David, you know, you write and talk a lot about opposition and you 
particularly in the book here, but uh, the cost of being a Christian is it's rising daily. It's rather frightening, to be honest. And give me your thoughts on it, because this is a problem that's growing out of control. As uh, I mentioned, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, silence in the face of evil is itself evil. It's a double-edged sword, really. There's a cost. Anyone who's going to speak up and be a Christian, be unashamed of the gospel, there is a cost to following Christ. And, of course, the Bible doesn't promise protection or, you know, success. It promises persecution for Christians. But on the other side of that, and that's more of the angle I take throughout the book, that what we're seeing in America right now, the moral decay, the depravity, that's a result of decades upon decades of Christians being silent. So that's why I titled the book, The Cost of Our Silence. And sadly, we're living with those consequences now, but it's not over until Christ returns. So I like to remind people, we have a job to do, and we've got to get back to the roots of biblical foundation and get our worldview straightened out. And then we need to know the Word so we can be ready, as First Peter 3.15 says, always be ready to defend the gospel, to defend the faith, to give an answer to anyone who asks for the hope that we have. Well, you suggest that the root of the problem is a weakened church in America, mm. correct? Yes, absolutely. I mean, with over 300,000 churches in America, look at all the resources we have. We have Christian, we have seminaries, uh, we have uh, bookstores, Christian music, all these resources we have at our fingertips. And yet, look at the state of morality in America. Something doesn't add up, Jan. And the most obvious answer is that we have been silent. We haven't preached the gospel. We haven't held people accountable for sin. We haven't confronted people in the church. I'm talking about people sitting in the pews and in the comfy seats on Sunday mornings. You know, we can't make judgments on non-believers. They need to get saved. Then once once God changes their heart, then their worldview can change and their politics and everything else. But we're talking about the church, and that's who I like to write to, because that's who I like to challenge, that we need to be living what we believe, and then being the salt, the preserving influence that Jesus said we would be, and being the light that exposes the darkness. So yeah, it's the Christians that need to be speaking up and living differently, and I'm trying to be an optimist here, but I don't know if there will be a revival. I do like to say, as long as there's still time, Jesus is not done with us, the church in America yet, but boy, time is running out. I'm quoting you here, David, and this is out of your book, and you say the country is sick and the church is on life support. (laughs) And you say, should we not call on the great physician to heal and save her? You say, why are so few willing to talk about the fact that sin seems to be celebrated rather than confessed? Are we so wrapped up in our own selfish lives or distracted by the latest technology to care. It's as if we'd rather mind our own business than help the brokenhearted. People are losing hope. Many are dying without the Lord and going to hell, and we're going to the mall as the world is imploding. David, how do you suggest, and Eric, I'd like your input on this too, but how do you suggest we turn this around? I mean, I guess a good place to start might be some of the pulpits in our churches, but it's still, it's an enormous task. Yes, absolutely. It's got to start with the pulpits. When I went through the original draft of this book, I just sensed that I was being really hard, really critical Mm -hmm. on pastors and religious leaders, and I really had to kind of pull back a little bit, read that again, and go, okay, so not all the churches are going emergent or going liberal uh, in that direction. So I really had to pull back because for example, when I was in California, a lot of the pastors I met with, in fact, all of them, they were solid, they were God-fearing, and they were Bible-believing, and these guys are doing the work of God, but all the churches are obviously smaller, because those that are preaching the truth don't have the mega, in general now, they don't have the mega churches or the big congregations in general. This is what we need to do. We need to lovingly approach our pastors and 
plead with them, encourage them to go back to preaching the whole counsel of God, even the so-called controversial issues, the social issues. Uh, they're all moral issues. I make that point in one of the chapters that uh, the finances, the social issues, it all has to do with morality, and it can all be found in the Bible, how Christians are supposed to live and respond. So we start with the pastors, and boy, that's a big huge undertaking right there. So since that is such a massive endeavor, we've got to look at our own hearts, and we've got to examine ourselves, examine our faith, and make sure that we have that foundation and we are living right, and then able to do what James 5, uh, 19 and 20 says, turn a sinner from the error of his way, because then we will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. So yes, it's the pastors and religious leaders, but it also has to be us, the individual yeah. believers. You know, Eric, you're in churches all the time. You, I'm sure you resonate with this, and you're fellowshipping with pastors all the time. Yeah, I do, Jan, and I, it does resonate a lot. What David just said about us uh, testing ourselves and looking at ourselves, you know, First Corinthians 13, Paul tells us to do that, to see if we're of the faith. And I think it's a constant, as we walk through life, a constant testing, a constant reevaluation of where we are. When I saw the title of, of David's book, I kind of muttered to myself, well, why the silence? Because of narcissism across the whole culture. And we, we think of narcissism as only being in the culture itself, but that stuff has moved into the doors of the church and, and become part of the fabric of the church. I really think it's hedonism, which is really pleasure being the most important goal and the only mm. issue that really counts. People think of hedonism only being you know sexual immorality, but that's not what it is. It's having pleasure as a goal. And mm. inside the church today, as David knows, you know, and many of the listeners, We've talked about it. Anybody who's heard me talk about the confused evangelicals knows yeah, right. that uh, pleasure has become the goal rather than God. When man becomes the focus of the church instead of God, we're in deep trouble. If you just join me, you are listening to Understanding the Times Radio. I'm Jan Markell. I have uh, in studio is Eric Barger, my co-host for this particular couple of segments. David Fiorazzo is on the line from Green Bay, Wisconsin, because this ministry carries his newest book, The Cost of Our Silence. The Consequences of Christians Taking the Path of Least Resistance. And a former pastor, my producer, Larry Kutzler, wants to weigh in here. Go ahead, Larry. Thanks, Jan. You know, I, I found that uh, Eric's comments were very timely and very insightful. And uh, my question really is to David. You know, when you say the pastors need to get back to preaching the Word, sometimes I don't think they know how to. I think so much of the culture, the training in the seminaries, the whole genre in the Christian scene today, uh, I'm not sure they really understand. You know, you have to have a heart change to understand what the Scripture is saying to be able to preach it right. And I'm not sure they can. What What's your reaction to that? Well, I agree, and that's, that's why we need to be about pleasing God, not man, and honoring God, not Caesar, because people, if they're worried about their nonprofit status, <laughs> then the Church obviously is, is not going to be helped at all. They're going to just continue to be in trouble. But what you mentioned, I wrote a chapter, yeah. talked about Fuller Seminary, uh, called The Cult of Liberalism. That's right, that it's excellent. Really Pardon? It's excellent. I'm so glad you did it. And Eric and I have a particular interest, as does Larry, in the cult of liberalism. Go ahead. Yeah, because I quoted Eric. And he, so you he did, yes. Like <laughs> but that was inspired by some of the DVDs and some of the presentations I've seen Eric uh, give and present. And I had to go and do a little bit of research. And what I found was, it, this goes way back, what I found is the Presbyterian Church split over the inerrancy of Scripture between the 1890s and 1920s. And then in about 19, I think it was 1942, the uh, National Association of Evangelicals, they had a big uh, conference in St. Louis, Missouri, and there's a pastor called uh, Harold Okenga. 
he said evangelical Christianity has suffered nothing but a series of defeats for decades. And he said that in 1942. He said Christianity has been placed on the defensive. The terrible octopus of liberalism, which spreads itself through our Protestant church, has dominated innumerable organizations, pulpits, and publications, as well as seminaries and other schools. And it's interesting, it's, that's kind of a theme, too, because I had to write about that in the second-to-last chapter of the book, Storming the Gates of Hell, mm -hmm. because the Church is not supposed to be on defense. We are supposed to be on offense, speaking the truth in love, preaching the gospel, challenging, encouraging, confronting sinners within the Church to stop conforming to the world. Storming the Gates of Hell, I'd write about the spiritual warfare involved, but there's so much of this liberalism that we've allowed in the church, and I know I'm preaching to the choir, especially where Eric is concerned on that. I, I want to move on to a, a, a little different issue here, and it's certainly a current event issue, because, David, you say that we have welcomed godlessness with open arms. Now, mm -hmm. that leads me to an issue that we need to talk about, because we've had this Planned Parenthood expose, and honestly, it's revealed, I think, a cavalier indifference, what amounts to mass murder. I mean, it reveals a depravity. I don't think it's been seen since the Holocaust, and it may not even have been seen since the days of Noah, when all people thought about continuously was evil. So here again, we have this kind of butchery that's been going on, and you cover things like this in this book, and if, again, and you say it, and I may repeat this two or three times throughout the couple of segments here, when we don't confront evil, when we don't stop it, it just runs out of control, and and here we, in the last month, we have seen some images on screens that are just beyond shocking. You address it. Yes, and shocking, not surprising. What's interesting to me, Jan, and I'm pleading with the church right now, abortion has been legal for years. That doesn't mean it's okay in God's eyes. That means just according to American laws, it's legalized. But why are some people in the church just now getting upset or shocked by all this after learning Planned Parenthood sells baby body parts? So murder is not enough. Abortion, yeah. ripping fetuses apart in a mother's womb is not enough to cause an outcry for justice? In my first book, Eradicate, Blotting Out God in America, we talked about this in an interview a couple of years ago, you and I, mm -hmm. where I, I actually went into Margaret Sanger's warped worldview and the dark history be, between uh, of Planned Parenthood, where she worked with Adolf Hitler's top eugenicist, right. Ernst Rudin, and the birth control movement really was, was birthed in America, not Germany. And we look at Hitler's being evil. Look at what we're doing now and what we're seeing Planned Parenthood do. And the, the, the travesty is that it's funded by our tax dollars. And so I write in, in this new book, The Cause for Our silence. I had to take two chapters to write two different angles on it. One, I quoted the transcript, parts of the transcript that will just, real, they're eye-opening, of Roe versus Wade in 1972-73. And in the next chapter, I write about the anguish abortion causes women and some testimonies from women. We need to understand, we need to talk to people in our culture about this. It, what they're about in Planned Parenthood is not about women's health. Oh, and this is an interesting thing. Harry Reid actually had the audacity to stand on the Senate floor and say that the people that are trying to defund Planned Parenthood yes. have lost their moral compass. 
And you know exactly what that is. Isaiah 5.20, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. It was absolutely unbelievable to hear him say that. I think it's a very good thing these things have come out, these uh, videos and this expose yes. for a number of reasons. But one of it is that I don't think that anybody around the church can just be silent about this anymore. You've got to make a decision. If this isn't the most reprehensible thing and despicable thing that you can think of, you know, the church has been so desensitized by evil that we've gotten used to it. I often talk about the Lot syndrome. Lot is called a righteous man in Peter's writings in the New Testament, but yet he was trying to dialogue with men who were demon-possessed, and he'd been around Sodom just long enough, or maybe too long, in such a way that, that he'd gotten used to it. We can't afford to become desensitized by it, and sadly, with the dumbed-down gospel that yeah. generally is being preached in the megachurch movement, it's a half-gospel, maybe at best, but it's dumbed down without any negative or any um, controversial parts, and the gospel does have controversy in it, folks. In the world yeah. and the flesh, it fights against the gospel. We need to remember the real gospel is going to cause a change in the hearts of men, and I hope that what's happening right now with the whole Planned Parenthood thing is going to cause people to reevaluate how deeply we need to be involved in these issues. And you write this, David Fiorazzo, you say, our land is filled with too many permissive pastors, lukewarm Christians, and sin justifiers, while same-sex godless entertainment consumers, evolution defenders, and satanic sympathizers are celebrating. We allow Hollywood to dump filthy garbage into our living rooms, and as a result, we welcome witchcraft, blasphemy, and the glorification of sin. We have become desensitized to the influence of liberalism within the church. David Fiorazzo, that is what has hit America. After years and years and years and years of violence, you name it, wickedness, all the things that we're seeing that shock us, we're no longer shocked. No, we're not. And when I hear Christians becoming desensitized, apathy goes right along yeah, with that. Exactly. And what we have allowed unchecked, virtually unchecked, and so we have conformed to the world to such an extent that we've allowed it inside the church. So now there's a problem within the church of pastors, and I understand it's wrong, but I understand they don't want to say anything that's going to offend these people, but boy, that's not the way the church is supposed to be. And I think we've got a huge problem. We've got to fight it from both ends. We've also been desensitized in this abortion issue that we were talking about a couple minutes ago. And one of the shocking, or not, I should say astounding, quotes from that transcript from Roe versus Wade. Now remember, it was before ultrasound, before technology and modern medical advances. Now we know it's a person, it's a human baby, it's not just a blob of tissue, particularly now with Planned Parenthood admitting they're selling hearts and livers and kidneys of babies. But there's a quote. One of the Supreme Court justices asked the question to the ACLU attorney, Sarah Weddington. He said, if it were established that an unborn fetus is a person with the protection of the 14th Amendment, you would have almost an impossible case here, would you not? And she answered and admitted, saying, I would have a very difficult when I come back, we'll continue on with my guest, David Fiorazzo. Thanks for joining us for today's Understanding the Times. In just a moment, we'll return to our conversation. First, we want to remind you all the programming you hear here is posted to our website the same weekend it airs on the radio. You can listen to your favorite Understanding the Times release again and again at olivetreeviews.org. All programs can also be downloaded free of charge at olivetreeviews.org as well. You can sign up to receive a podcast of every weekly program. Digital recordings of today's program or any past program you've heard are available at 763-559-4444. Again, phone 763-559-4444. 
4444. Please write to us at Olive Tree Ministries, Post Office Box 1452, Maple Grove, Minnesota, 55311. While you're visiting olivetreeviews.org, check out how you can get Jan's news headlines sent to you. These news items are pertinent to understanding our times. Sign up today and they'll begin arriving each morning in your inbox. The signs of the times are all around us. Each week on this broadcast, we're dedicated to helping you understand those times. Coming up this fall, our next Prophecy and End Times conference, October 2nd and 3rd in Metro Minneapolis. Stay tuned for more details. Our 19th Understanding the Times conference is planned for October 2nd and 3rd in the Metro Minneapolis area, and we hope you can attend. The event will be live streamed this fall for a nominal cost. Watch our website for details. There is no cost or registration needed for our conference. Here is our lineup of speakers Dr. Robert Jeffress. My own reading of the book of Revelation is when I look at that final form of government in the world during the last seven years, it is a dictatorship under Antichrist in which there is no freedom of commerce, no freedom of speech no freedom of religion, which means when the Antichrist takes power, our Constitution will have had to have been done away with by that point, and once the Constitution ceases to exist, America ceases to exist. Pastor Jack Hibbs. In all that's going on in the world right now, believe it or not, God is at work. He's preparing things. We are not sensationalists on one end. We're not skeptics on the other end. What are we? We're watching God set the stage. Former Congresswoman Michelle Bachman. As we look at this situation with Iran, we already have history that nuclear facilities have successfully been taken out historically. So we know that that's how you stop a nuclear program. You bomb it. People say, well, you'll start World War III. That's what Bill O'Reilly said to me. Well, I'm just here to say, Iran wants to start World War III. Amir Sarfati. So once you see that the people of Israel miraculously were brought back to their land, then you know that we're at the very last hour. And we are, ever since 1948. Won't you join 3,000 attendees this fall? We will help you understand the times, contend for the faith, and be watchmen on the wall. We live in unprecedented times. Join us as we unravel today's headlines in light of the Bible. For more information, call us at 763-559-4444. That's 763-559-4444. Or visit our website, olivetreeviews.org. There are 1,845 references to the return of Christ in the Bible. I mean, between a third and a fourth of the Bible is prophecy. So, yeah, we better have an idea of what's to come, but that should also encourage us and strengthen our hope in Christ. It's interesting what we're seeing now in our culture, and I want to remind everybody again to keep a balanced perspective. If you're feeling heavy, that spirit of heaviness, being overwhelmed, Spend some time in the Word. Get rest. And we need to also have those intimate times of worship, praising God for who He is, for what He did, and then we can deal with what's going on in our culture. Featured on today's Understanding of the Times, David Tirazzo's new book, The Cost of Our Silence, The Consequences of Christians Taking the Path of Least Resistance. The author is here with us, so let's go back to the conversation. Once again, Jen Markell. 
And welcome back. And I have again in studio my co-host is Eric Barger, but I have on the line from Wisconsin author David Fiorazzo. As this ministry carries his book, you find it in our store, olivetreeviews.org, olivetreeviews, views as in viewpoint, olivetreeviews.org, the cost of our silence, the consequences of Christians taking the path of least resistance. We carried David Fiorazzo's first book, Eradicate, Blotting Out God in America, for a couple of years. This is a follow-up. And uh, David, just a couple of issues here before our time does get away from us. I wanted to ask you, because you've got a lot of very, very intriguing chapters in here, from judicial tyranny to the Roe v. Wade uh, to Kermit Gosnell. You talk about Common Core. You talk about the rise of witchcraft, Mm. which I found that chapter to be fascinating. You've got Harry Potter, Twilight, all of those covered in that chapter, outstanding. We've already referenced the cult of liberalism in the church, uh, ducking the issue of sin. And then you've got a chapter on the separate of Christianity and state. And you talk a little bit about the Johnson Amendment. I'd like you to explain that as concisely as possible, but it's very, very important, particularly for our time right now. Yes, Jan, thank you. This was uh, the most popular blog on my website in years, and uh, it hit a nerve with people because mm-hmm. that's what people people are seeing the result of this, which happened in 1954. We're seeing this today played out in our culture and in the churches. What happened was Lyndon Johnson was going for re-election as a Democrat senator at the time, and conservative groups and Christian groups were coming, speaking out against him. They were coming against him, and he checked with the IRS to see if what they were doing was legal. And absolutely it was, free speech. So he shrewdly slipped an amendment into a massive tax code overhaul bill that was being debated on the Senate floor, and the bill was supposed to modernize the tax code, but there were no committee hearings on the amendment. There was no legislative analysis. He slipped it in, and it passed. And what we have now, the 1954 Johnson Amendment, which affects the 501c3 status limiting political speech and saying that 501c3 entities, they cannot participate in or intervene in any political campaign on behalf of or in opposition to a candidate for public office. But that's kind of confusing. And what happened with that was a lot of pastors started self-censoring out of either ignorance of the blah or out of fear. And that's why we had them back out of culture. And so if the pastors Mm -hmm. are not talking about, quote, social issues or issues that they might think are controversial or might affect their 501c3 status, then of course, people in the congregation, Christians will kind of, you know, out of uh, following their pastor's example, they're not going to talk about it as much either. And this is what brings us to today, what we see in America. But the left uses the 501c3, the Johnson Amendment, to bully Christian pastors and groups. And to my knowledge, the only thing you cannot say from the pulpit is vote for so-and-so. You cannot endorse a political candidate. One more thing, you can't give church money, church money to a campaign. But the pastor can, you can have, you can hold voter registration, you can hand out information on where all the candidates stand, you can talk about abortion, same-sex marriage from a God's viewpoint, from the Bible, you know, God-ordained marriage. You can talk about anything else, but this is what they decided not to do. And so we've grown up in a generation of church growers that believe it is illegal for their pastor to address politics. And what, what does politics have to do with morality, which is really sad. I gave a tease a little while ago, going out of that previous segment, I gave a tease about the uh, concept of, as you talk about Christians getting overwhelmed, you talk about uh, a spirit of heaviness due to our times. And Larry Kutzler, you raised a good point. As Again, as a pastor, you came up against some issues. Well, I was told 
quite often not to preach about certain things because people just didn't want to hear about it. But there again, that contributes to the ignorance. As Rush Limbaugh says, there's low-information people. Mm. Well, we have that in the Mm. church as well. We have low-information as far as spirituality. I'm sure that the scriptures, you can go through many passages, but the psalmist had a great understanding in Psalm 73. He was so frustrated until he came into the sanctuary of the Lord, and then he began to understand, and he came to this conclusion, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. I mean, at the end of the day, no matter how dark and how negative things are, we have a bright spot. His name is Jesus. He's coming back, and things are going to work out eventually. But we can't ignore the fact, David, as you're saying, the silence of the church is killing us, and we're becoming more along those lines of low-information people. Yes, I agree with you. It's easy to turn the other way, to, like Jan mentioned at the top of the program or at the top of the other segment, going to the mall, as opposed to dealing with these serious issues that face the church and that are now facing our country. But, of course, the good news is, for Christians, our redemption is drawing near. And I want to quote also First um, Corinthians fifteen fifty seven fifty eight. 58, but thanks be to God who ultimately gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the Lord, knowing that our toil in the Lord is not in vain. So we need to remember that as we work to spread awareness, to speak the truth, and balance that out with Scripture, because there is so much hope in Scripture and joy and what we have to look forward to. And Jan, that's why I ended the book with prophecy, yep, because I, was I want to ask encourage you. believers. Mm-hmm. It was excellent, and you did. Go ahead, talk about that for a second. And yeah, I know I, Eric wants to weigh into what Larry said, but address that for a second, would you? Well, considering some of the heart-wrenching and truthful but sobering eye-opening information that you talk about on your show and also I've written about in this book, we tend to forget the best is yet to Absolutely. come. Absolutely. And so that's why I focused the last chapter on prophecy and hope, and we need to remind ourselves, we need to keep everything in perspective and, God willing, keep an eternal perspective. Amen. Amen. Eric? Talk about an area that people you know, really do wish to run from, that pastors won't address, that seems to be just... Uh, left off the table is prophecy and a lot of that is because oh it's it's too hard to understand it's doom and gloom it's uh too many positions and pastors you know should take a position on the issues they should understand what they believe and why they believe it and teach their church accordingly i want to make this clear you know that we're we're in no way saying that uh particular individuals should get a pass from being informed i think one of the biggest uh, downfalls in christianity today is the lack of information and understanding that's why i'm so glad to be a part of this program to be called the ministry that I'm in that all of us individually here the four of us who are talking today all of us have the kind of ministry where we want to inform people and, and prepare them and speak about these hard issues things that a lot of the church wants to run from but we also need a time of peace and joy and rest and hope and uh, there there comes a point in time and I said off air during our break that Melanie and I researched rock music for about seven or eight years 12 hours a day now it wasn't every day there came a point in time in some of those days we just couldn't do it there was just days where we decided to go do something that had nothing to do with ministry because we were so into dealing with these deep and dark issues the rock music and entertainment world that uh, we talked about often and that many of the listeners understand has so many pitfalls and downfalls and we did all this research on it the thing that we came back to over and over was that worship and praise and reading the word and and of course prayer all those things work together in a way that lifts us up that 
but nothing else can. So we want to be informed, but we also need to understand and recognize that we can't become negatives and doom and gloomers down in the mouth about the issues around us, that the joy of the Lord is our hope and our peace and our rest. If we don't have his joy, we're not going to have his strength, according to what it says in Nehemiah. And that, I think, is an important key. If you just join me, you are listening to Understanding the Times Radio. I'm Jan Markell, and I have on the line uh, David Fiorazzo. Again, we're carrying his new book, The Cost of Our Silence, The Consequences of Christians Taking the Path of Least Resistance. David, let me quote you here. You say, if most Christians remain silent, fewer people will be saved, society will continue its collapse, and the church will be part of the problem instead of preserving influence. And then you say, too many professing believers seem more comfortable blending in with the world rather than being set apart from it, and our apathy is killing us. In the last hundred years in America, we have not only invited evil in, we often justify it rather than resist the sin that used to repulse us and cause us deep remorse. We have gotten used to it, and therefore many have conformed to this world. Meanwhile, Jesus Christ is standing outside, knocking on the door of a wayward, lukewarm church, hoping we will welcome him back in before it's too late. God is looking for watchmen as well as a fruit-bearing church. Are we willing to get out of our comfort zones, take a risk by boldly living our faith, and trust him with the results? If not, you and I, who will? I appreciated what you had to say there, David. And do you think it's too late? No, I don't. Well, for revival in America, uh, the jury's still out. Yeah, that's that's right. But eternally. Now, remember, we're supposed to look at things from an eternal perspective. I think Paul wrote, we see no man from an earthly human perspective anymore. People are either saved or not. And no, it's not too late as long as we have breath in our lungs and we have a voice and we are still alive because the gospel must be preached. We have to be about the Lord's business. But it's interesting what we're seeing now in our culture, and I want to remind everybody again to keep a balanced perspective. If you're feeling heavy, that spirit of heaviness, being overwhelmed, spend some time in the Word. Get rest. And like Eric mentioned earlier, worship. Worship. Our our lives should be an act of worship, of course. We need to also have those intimate times of worship, praising God for who He is, for what He did, and then we can deal with what's going on in our culture. For example, Scripture, We what we're seeing now. Scripture, our, our country are now colliding head-on. And we will have decisions to make coming down the road, especially pastors. Uh, we will be faced with these decisions, but we need to know how to respond to all these issues because we are not supposed to isolate. We are supposed to infiltrate. And that's the problem. A lot of people, when they get too much information, they, they're looking at, the, for example, the Planned Parenthood stuff or the agenda of the homosexual movement. We tend to back off and say, oh boy, I hope nobody asks me a question. I hope nobody you know, says anything about my faith. But that's exactly the opposite. We're supposed to be ready at all times to love and be examples of the gospel we preach. So, again, back to the chapter on prophecy, I find that to be so refreshing because we should know more about prophecy. And that's why I appreciate, you know, your program. You talk about the end times a lot. I don't care if they call you or us end time eddies. I mean, there are 1,845 references to the return of Christ in the Bible. I mean, a th- between a third and a fourth of the Bible is prophecy. So, yeah, we better have an idea of what's to come, but that should also encourage us and strengthen our 
hope in Christ. I'm closing this program talking about End Times Eddie. I don't know how you knew that, David, because <laughs> nobody knows it but me. But that's the Holy how Spirit I'm, spoke to me. Apparently, you've got a direct connection. <laughs> I'm going to close it. I'm going to close the hour talking about it. Okay, David. Here's an issue. It's even hard to get Christians to vote. So if we can't get them to vote, then is there any surprise when things start collapsing? Politically and in every other way, half of evangelicals are registered and only half of those people vote. So is it any wonder that things are collapsing? Yes, I think it was Charles Finney who said, God will bless or curse this nation depending on the course Christians take in politics. And look at, for example, what happened when the Senate attempted to vote on defunding Planned Parenthood. Seven votes. We missed it by seven votes. You, Christian, you don't think politics are important in America? Well, there's one example right there. If you believe that it is wrong to rip apart a baby in, in his or her mother's womb, then we need to fight the political battle. And that's one of the reasons right there we're seeing the consequences of Christian silence and not voicing their faith by going to the voting booth. You're exactly right, brother. Every time I hear a Christian say, oh, Christians shouldn't be involved in politics, it's all evil. I just remind them that, uh, you know, when we elect a president, whether we have a favorite up there or not, we're going to also be putting people on the Supreme Court that will probably outlive us, maybe even outlive our children. And so we need to be very thoughtful about how we think about that. And, And, you know, you you mentioned Vinny there a minute ago. Mark Twain said if Christians voted their conscience and elected people who believed in the scriptures that the country would be better off, and he was an atheist. That was in 1902 he made that statement. It's astounding that today we have Christians out there defending, not voting. And David, you write here, you say, we must realize evil is all around us and there's nothing new under the sun. When depravity and immorality appear more prevalent in society, one of the main causes can be traced to silent or inactive Christians. This environment sets the stage for emboldened agendas against God, his word, and his people. And that is, in essence, the content, the substance of your 300-page book here, which again, folks, we are carrying olivetreeviews.org, or call us, and we'll get this book out to you. Eric and I, we so highly recommend what Dave Firazzo has written here, because it's a brilliant analysis of what's gone wrong, when it went wrong, and how it went wrong. And David, I think you've got answers in here, too, and that's what encourages Thank you, Jan. And if I could just remind people, we must speak up. Even if laws are passed, that we stay silent. We will have choices to make. And I'd love to take just a a couple seconds here to quote Dietrich Bonhoeffer again. He said, the church is guilty of the deaths of the weakest and most defenseless brothers of Jesus Christ. The church must confess that she has desired security and peace quiet possession and honor to which she has no right. She has not borne witness to the truth of God, and by her silence she has rendered herself guilty because of her unwillingness to suffer for what she knows to be right. He said that in 1940. Eric, you want to wrap things up, and then I'm going to close here, and we'll uh, let David go here, but it's been fascinating uh, 40 minutes or so. Yeah, it's, it's exhilarating, and I, I think that we who see what's going on around us and want to wake up others around us. We need one another to bounce things off of and be encouraged by. And David encourages me. 
and both his books really do encourage me, and I hope the listeners will take advantage. Again, there's so many topics that you've covered in here, including again, <laughs> the Common Core, and that alone is probably worth the worth the book. Uh, Dave, you go ahead. Uh, you wrap things up, and then I'll I got to close here. I just want to thank you uh, for having me on again, Jan. These issues are are so important because it's what we're seeing infiltrate into the church, and uh, it's sad, but we have to stand against them, even when Christians when they get uh, a little defensive. It doesn't matter. We are going to stand before God, and we're not going to have to answer to a Christian brother or sister that is living according to the world. We hope that they will turn back to God, and that is our part of our mission, to preach the gospel and to encourage believers to live now every day for the King of kings and Lord of lords. Because of that verse in Revelation 3.20, Jesus was standing at the door of the church, as you mentioned. You referenced that. It's not an evangelical verse. He's talking to believers. He's saying, let me in again. Gentlemen, I want to thank you. Let me just close by saying a couple of things here. Because Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, and it's been referenced here already, that silence in the face of evil is itself evil. So how can any of us, as well as the corporate church, be silent when we see the rampant evil running amok today? And as David wrote, our silence has had tragic consequences. These may be the final hours in which to take action. Perhaps some things can be turned around. A time is coming when it will be too late. Again, gentlemen, thank you so much. When I come back, I want to talk to you and particularly to pastors about the topic nobody wants to address and the fact that those of us who do are marginalized and scoffed at. Why is the greatest news on earth the fact that the king is coming almost categorically excluded as a topic in our churches today, and for that matter, looked down upon by most Christians. Why isn't this good news being celebrated, discussed, debated, and used as the greatest encouragement there is today? We're in a time of deep discouragement, so how about telling folks to look up for our redemption draws nigh? That's next. Understanding the Times gets a lot of mail. We appreciate every letter and every email. Week after week, our ministry team turns out more programs to identify the issues of our day and to interpret those issues according to the Bible. We trust this weekly broadcast is helpful to you. If so, will you let us know? Please write to us at Olive Tree Ministries, Post Office Box 1452, Maple Grove, Minnesota 55311. Or you can contact us through our website. Just log on to Olive Tree Views. We remind you often that every week, Understanding the Times reaches across America on over 800 radio stations, broadcasting the kind of message you're hearing today. Will you consider becoming a partner in this ministry? Will you help us proclaim the uncompromised truth of the gospel? For all gifts, you'll receive a tax-deductible receipt. Thank you for standing with us each week to help us spread the message that God's plan is falling into place according to His Word. We'll be right back with a must-hear Jan Markell commentary. As Christians, we are called to do more than just listen. We are called to act. Every weekend, coast to coast, we are keeping you aware so that you can take that next step to act. We are Understanding the Times Radio with Jan Markell. Stay tuned. There's much more to come. 
Recently, Holocaust survivor Anita Dittman received the Heroine of the Faith Award from Bot Radio Network at National Religious Broadcasters. Now you can read or view her amazing story for a donation of any amount to Olive Tree Ministries. If you live in the U.S., just ask for her book or 75-minute documentary DVD as our gift to you to keep our radio ministry on the air this summer. Anita has powerfully moved audiences for 35 years all across America and on Christian radio and TV. It is a God-exalting story which I had the privilege of writing for Tyndale House some years ago. It is now updated and the DVD by George Escobar is stunning. Write us with your tax-deductible donation at Box 1452, Maple Grove, Minnesota 55311. You can also give online at olivetreeviews.org or call us at 763-559-4444-763-559-4444. We report on the news giving you insights that we are headed toward a one-world government, a world dictator, more Middle East wars, lawlessness, confusion, and political darkness. However, at the end of the day, our ministry reminds everyone that God is in control and Jesus is coming back. This is Understanding the Times Radio with Jan Markell. Kingdom Now or Dominion Theology, and that is that we can bring heaven to earth right now. We can create a form of perfection on earth right now. And I will explain just why that is not possible. Because you show me just one square mile of this planet that can demonstrate a sort of Garden of Eden-like, well, atmosphere here on earth. And you can't. You will find only chaos. And the church trying to perfect the world for the next one million years will not fix it. Every week, Understanding the Times brings to the airwaves from across the nation some of the best commentators on end-time prophecy. Those insights have produced one of America's most listened-to programs in Understanding Our Times. Now to conclude today's program, Jan Markell has a commentary to share. Once again, here's Jan. Say, have you thought about becoming a CD subscriber, $15 a month? You have to call us. We've got to use a credit card for that. And uh, don't forget, we're live streaming our conference October 2nd and 3rd. For just $25, you can have 30-day access to the uh, speakers, Dr. Robert Jeffress, Michelle Bachman, Pastor Jack Hibbs, Amir Sarfati. And however, we encourage you to try to attend because the like-minded fellowship is well worth it. But the live streaming is just $25 for 30-day access. The conference is free. Now, I got a comment, I got an email from a ministry supporter in Washington State, and uh, they actually sent me a flyer that was handed out in his church, and it was mocking. The flyer asks folks if they have met N times Eddie in their church. Well, it denigrates Eddie, and it, it suggests that he is so focused on the end times that he has missed all present opportunities and people in front of him. And it goes on to say, Eddie is gloom and doom, and why aren't we all looking for Jesus to bring heaven to earth right now? Okay, the flyer then suggests some questions for the church's small groups. All right, here are some of the questions. Number one, what are your emotions when you encounter end times Eddie? Number two, is the end time message one of hope or fear? Number three, 
Jesus told us to pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What does heaven on earth look like today? And four, who in your life needs heaven to come to earth right now? Okay, so a couple of things really stand out to me. Number one, here is just another church that is teaching and preaching, come Lord Jesus, but not too soon. And secondly, I fear that they have embraced the false teaching heavily put out there by the New Apostolic Reformation, or NAR, and it's called Kingdom Now or Dominion Theology, and that is that we can bring heaven to earth right now. We can create a form of perfection on earth right now. And I will explain just why that is not possible, because you show me just one square mile of this planet that can demonstrate a sort of Garden of Eden-like, well, atmosphere here on earth. And you can't. You will find only chaos. And the church trying to perfect the world for the next one million years will not fix it. Let me just clarify that Kingdom Now, or Dominion Theology, It tries to humanize God and deify man. And sadly, the world will continue to deteriorate and spiral into chaos, forcing man to consider the hope of heaven and abandon thoughts of a glorified earth. Only when Jesus Christ returns at the second coming will all things be made new. I want to read an email that Aaron Barker sent to me. He actually attended one of my conferences a couple of years ago. He's a young man. He's in his 30s. And he writes this. He says, Jan, most of my friends are Christians and they love the Lord, but are just too distracted by worldly things. He says they have their favorite TV shows and sports to watch, and most have young families to occupy their time and Facebook. And I'm amazed at how much time people spend online keeping track of the daily lives of other people. But when I am with my guy friends, the conversation is always small talk, sports, work, and so forth. I asked what they thought about the major news story that just happened, and nobody had a clue, much less how anything relates to the end times. This was three days after it happened. Even the mainstream media had it on the front page every day. The major TV outlets had it on every day. But my friends don't even look at the headlines. I also believe that at least for most churches that pastors are not doing their part to wake up the congregation. It's rare to hear any comments on world events, let alone end times, from the pulpit. Well, I get that comment probably a couple of times a day. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to read another email. And this came to me after one of my conferences. And it came from somebody who actually was had been and end times Eddie. And this fellow writes, I no longer feel safe talking about the issues you deal with in your ministry. I am scorned. I am ridiculed by my friends, family, co-workers if I talk about the Lord's return or any headline that is prominent. To suggest that life as we know it may end soon is simply the ultimate in lunacy to all of these folks. I feel so alone. Well, maybe some of you identify with some of the things that I'm reading here and some of the things that I'm saying. And I want to say just a couple of words more about this so-called kingdom now or dominion theology, because the church is not in the business of taking anything away from Satan except the souls of men. And the world is a stinking titanic. It's ripe for judgment 
not Garden of Eden perfection. Jesus will take dominion of a cleansed earth, and for men to speak of doing that before the judgment of this earth is absolutely spiritually arrogant. That's all I can say. Let me just read a couple of paragraphs from Pastor David Barnhart out of his Vine and Branches periodical. You can look that up online. And uh, David Barnhart says this, There's no more important doctrine than the coming again of Jesus Christ. By his coming, Jesus will bring God's promise of redemption into complete and total fulfillment. We'll no longer talk of streets of gold. We'll walk on them. We will no longer simply talk about Jesus. We'll talk with him face to face, and his own hand will gently wipe away every Every tear from our eye will not only talk about seeing our loved ones who have gone on before, we'll be together with them for eternity without ever again experiencing a single moment of separation. And Barnhart goes on to say, God's prophetic clock is counting down to the appointed hour. If you don't believe it, listen to the latest news report and read the paper. Scriptures are replete with signs prophecies, the promises of Christ's return. The signs are everywhere, yet the silence of the churches is deafening when it comes to proclaiming this vital truth of Scripture. Slumbering preachers and sleeping saints need to wake up to the reality that the King is coming, and His coming may be sooner than any of us realize. And then he closes, In the meantime, millions are perishing without the knowledge of the gospel or the hope that His coming offers. How it must grieve the heart of God to look at a sleeping church in a hell-bound world. You know, folks, Bible prophecy is given as a light shining in a dark place. Talking about it should not instill fear in the Christian. Rather, it should provide confirmation that our blessed hope is ever nearer and the time ever shorter to actually snatch people from the fire. And you know, there are many end-time eddies around, and may their numbers increase. May our pulpits grow more bold and talk about things that really matter. Our message is hardly gloom and doom, and it may be the only good news left. The supposed good news that we're taking the planet back to the Garden of Eden isn't the truth. It is really end-time delusion. So let me just wrap this up saying this. The message of the hour isn't that we'll make the earth perfect, but that we will go to perfection in another place, another dimension, filled with glorious reunion, minus the cares of the world. So, you know what? I am honored to be among the end-time Eddie crowd. I've got the best news there is, and this world isn't it. You know, the church of my youth taught me this. The churches are silent today, and never did I hear the silliness that we could save the planet. In fact, I was taught that it was hopelessly lost again until Christ's return. I was never taught that we had any kind of dominion other than over the animals. And I certainly never heard that the Jews lived in occupied land, rather that they lived in God-given land. So I'm going to close with an exhortation I use very often. And it's this, you've heard me say it before, to look back and thank him, to look around and serve him, to look ahead and trust him, and to look up and expect him. Whether anybody wants to get excited about it or not, he is coming again, and I believe very, very soon. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. We have been so delighted in hearing from you over the years that we've been broadcasting the good news we have in spite of our troubling times. We've tried to help you become watchmen on the wall with us. 
We're always sounding the alarm, whether it's on national radio, on the internet, on social media, in print or e-newsletters, or our conferences. We're always talking about the inconvenient truth of the gospel and encouraging you during these troubled times. Won't you please stand with us prayerfully and financially? We need financial partners to come alongside us to help us stay on this station. When you write, tell us which station you're listening to. Our mailing address is Olive Tree Ministries, Box 1452, Maple Grove, Minnesota, 55311. Or call us at 763-559-4444. That's 763-559-4444. And you can always give online at olivetreeviews.org. Thank you so much for standing with us. Joining us for Understanding the Times Radio with Jan Markell. You can download today's edition from our website, olivetreeviews.org. You can also order a compact disc recording of today's program by calling 763-559-4444. When you phone, be sure to ask about our monthly subscription plan. You can help underwrite this ministry with a tax-deductible donation. As a thank you for your support, we are still offering Anita Dittman's biography, Trapped in Hitler's Hell, Anita's book or her 75-minute video documentary can be yours for a gift to Olive Tree Ministries of any size. When you phone 763-559-4444 with your gift, tell us if you'd prefer Anita's book or her DVD. This offer is for USA residents only. Your financial support is also welcome at our mailing address. Olive Tree Ministries, Post Office Box 1452, Maple Grove, Minnesota, 55311. Next week, Jan Markell returns with more Inconvenient Truth. Thanks for listening. We'll sing 